0: I have control of your radio tubes uh, and I do too Shop, you fool keep listening you idiots who can bear podcast yeah it's real good and junk
1: to another episode of Candare, your tribute to pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley, and let me tell you, people, I'm excited about this week's episode. I get the opportunity to have somebody on the show that I've wanted to have on for a long time. I'm a huge fan of, and I know you guys are too. You've definitely heard his voice, even if you don't know his name. You may have heard him on the Howard Stern Show in the early 90s. He's the voice of Buzz the Bee from Honey Nut Cheerios commercials. He's the Red M&M's voice from M&M commercials. The voice of Doug Funny and Roger Klotz from Doug... Uh, Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd in Space Jam, and the list goes on and on. You should really check out his IMDB page, but he's probably best known for being both the voices of Ren and Stimpy from The Ren and Stimpy Show, and Philip J. Fry, Dr. Zoidberg, Professor Farnsworth, and Zap Brannigan from Futurama. I got the opportunity to talk with musician, comedian, and legendary voice actor Billy West, ladies and gentlemen and I am still beside myself. I'm still reeling from the experience. He was such a nice guy, and again, it's just somebody I've always wanted to have on the show. But I get to talk with Billy about his career as a professional musician and how he came to tour with Brian Wilson, uh, how he got into radio initially, his experience meeting Mel Blanc, his techniques while in the recording booth, and so much more. I'm so excited for you guys to hear this, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed it. But before we cut over to it, I have to remind you guys to find us on Twitter at CandarePod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. And if you like what we're doing, want to show some support, head over to CandarePodcast.com, where you can not only check out past episodes and uh, some of the other special guests we've got to welcome on the show, but there are links to our merch page where you can get t-shirts, mugs, and stickers, and also a link to our Patreon page, where if you decide to become a patron, you get access to a whole other catalog of shows that we do. Uh, the Candare Patreon Pod, The Comic Vault, uh, Candare Radio Theater, and so much more. So again, don't forget to check that out at candarepodcast.com, and also head over to evergreenpodcast.com, uh, which is home of the Evergreen Podcast Network, which we are proud members of, along with a lot of other great podcasts podcast So uh, again, check them out, evergreenpodcast.com. And with everything having been said, I think I'm just going to cut right over to my conversation with legendary voice actor, Billy West. Billy, I want to thank you so much for taking time to be on the show. I got to say, this is truly an honor. Thank you so much
0: for being here. Thanks for inviting me.
1: So uh, just want to start by simply asking, how are you? How are you uh, surviving in this COVID-ridden world?
0: The standard answer nowadays is I'm not bleeding from any holes, so I must be doing okay. <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's just I've never seen a time like this. I, I reckon nobody did. And uh, it's suddenly we're thrust in this world of angry strangers. I just try to put my best out there, try to put out... Good vibes, put out love, you know. And
1: there's a shortage you know, of that out there, isn't there?
0: Well, you know what? <clears throat> there's a lot to it. I mean, and and the people that are my fans, I mean, they just they're just uh, people that go on like my Twitter and stuff. They're just the nicest, nicest people, you know. I, I hardly ever get attacked. I mean, if I if I say one thing that's either political or having to do with um, you know the topics of the day, and if I have a take on it. You know, the the thought police are right there like horse flies.
1: <laughs>
0: right, right. Yeah it's, Yeah, you say one thing and it's like Ugh. Yeah, ready to tear you up. Yeah, horse flies. And I swear they've got like they all have like an alert on their computer for key words and, and all of a sudden it'll light up on their end. Eh, eh, eh. Go to <laughs> Billy West website. Eh, eh. <laughs> yeah. I just get the right kinds of love you know from people and it's what i put out you know right i'm just very lucky i'm grateful i think people can sort of tell that
1: well bless you for that that's awesome man Hmm. Um, lots to talk about right here, but I want to start with your music career because holy shit, is it just absolutely incredible! Uh, so many things. I mean, not only you know attending uh, Berkeley College of Music, but you know playing with multiple bands around Boston, knowing uh, Aerosmith in the early days, having opened mm-hmm. up for them, touring with Brian Wilson, Roy Orbison, collaborating with Debbie Harry, Lou Reed, and the list just goes on. I wondered if you uh, could elaborate a little bit on your music career.
0: Um. I wanted to get out of school bad. I mean I I hated school when I was a kid. I just absolutely loathed it. I it made me sick going to school. And it turns out I was right, you know, it's like everything that I was taught in school, it turns out that it would do me absolutely no good in the year twenty twenty two. Everything. <laughs> sure. Absolutely everything. So I mean I had the right idea back then. I was screwing around and turretting out voices and noises and and I wanted to express myself really badly. And um, one of the ways to do it <clears throat> at a certain age, I don't know, we had a guitar when I lived in Detroit in 1961 or 2. And I didn't think much about it. And then when I moved to Boston in 1963, my mom got me one for Christmas. And uh, I didn't even know how to tune it. I just tuned it in some weird way so I could play, figure out how to play songs. But it wasn't correct, you know. I just wanted to... I was on a racehorse trying to, you know, just get music going right, one way or another. And, um, you know, so I finally learned the correct way to play. And, you know, I sang and I played in bands like in the late 60s, early 70s, probably up through 78 or 9. And then there was one more band, like a trio that I did. Um, we didn't have a drummer. It was just two guitars and a bass. And um, we were playing like holiday Inns had changed at that point. You know, there were people that were older that wanted to hear stuff that I grew up with, like the Turtles and the Monkeys and the Beatles and right. the Beach Boys. So had kind of a Beach Boys like band. And that was reflective of my absolute lifelong love for Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys, <clears throat> who wrote the soundtrack to my teens, probably probably a lot of people's teens.
1: So then how did you come to work with him? I mean, was it simply like uh, answering an audition or something, or is, was it just the reputation you had built up, you know, being in the um, music industry?
0: Yeah, kind of. Um, I, a, pr- a friend of mine that I kind of came up with in Boston named Andy Paley, very, very bright, uh, clever producer, you know, music producer, and he, he produced a lot of stuff for Warner Brothers, and He's been doing music on SpongeBob for a long time, okay, and um he was friends uh with Brian Wilson because Andy was picked to produce Brian's solo album, the first one, and that's where I f- first started chatting, not really chatting to any degree, but with Brian Wilson, you know Andy would call me up and say, "Hey, somebody wants to talk to you." <laughs> oh wow, and I'd be like, "Hello, and I'd hear hello I said. Um, my name's Billy West. And he goes, we have the same initials. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was pretty funny. And then years later, it turned out that I, Andy called me up and said, Brian's going to be doing a few gigs in support of a film called, um, I wasn't made for these times. And, um, Don was played in that group. And, um, one of the singers from three Dog night, Danny Hutton, right. And um, me, I played lead guitar for about six gigs, I think five or six, and we went on David Letterman. I mean, it was to me that was like a dream,
1: Absolutely. total pinch
0: me dream. You know, how on earth did this happen? And he was always he was always nice to me. You know, he he just was like an angelic being, sure. if I can say that. I mean, he's a lot of people think that he's not, you know, all there, but but he he's more than that. It's just that he did a lot of drugs when he was um, in his prime, and uh, it leaves you a little bit, you know, fuzzy around the edges. But the thing was is that he remained a a genius, I mean, of harmonic construction and song composition and everything. He was a one-man army against the Beatles back in the day.
1: Exactly.
0: You know, so, I mean, I met a lot of musicians along the way. Um, A friend of mine, Eddie Gordetsky, who's a big... Hollywood comedy producer, you know, like um, Two and a Half Men and Mom and shows like that. Um, he was always friends with um, Los Lobos.
2: And he oh, introduced
0: wow. me to them, and then <clears throat> they were playing a couple of gigs around, and they asked if I wanted to come come up and play a song or two, and and I did. I was just I was thrilled, you know. It was like li- being able to live in two different worlds because at the time at the same time I was recording animated stuff
1: oh wow this was all happening at the same time wow so you kept yourself yeah. pretty damn busy
0: but um the aerosmith stuff and the jay giles stuff i mean i knew those guys way 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 back before i did any kind of radio or animation but Thanks. i did get into radio after my first band days experience you know i um went into a radio station in boston an fm station called wbcn and then i was there for a few years and um i figured you know what i want to i want to just try to make it <clears throat> in the big market and so i arranged to go to new york and um the show that was you know it was our sister station and howard stern was on that station right so we sort of sized each other up and you know next thing you know i was on his show as a performer and you know it was it was quite the uh, quite the learning experience.
1: I would say so. I would say so. <laughs> My God, I, I just recently heard your uh, Lucille Ball uh, skit that you were that you did. Uh, or the the call in thing on the Howard Stern show and had me in stitches. That was priceless.
0: That was like Gilbert Gottfried was there. I remember telling Howard the day before. I said, Howard, you know, I keep seeing all these clips from. I love Lucy. I mean, she must be like on her way out or something. She's probably in the hospital, you know, cuz they're getting ready to give her the big, you know, TV send-off and Right. And I and I started imitating her <clears throat> as as she sounded when she was old and uh and Howard was just choking to death laughing. He said, "I'm going to call you tomorrow morning. I'm going to call you with that. I'm going to call you." So that's how that happened. Wow. Incredible. I mean,
1: um, one thing I need to touch on really quick is in 2004, you and your band Billy West and the Grief Counselors released an album by the name of Me Pod. I was wondering if you could uh, tell me a little bit about that album. Not that I'm a stranger to it. I have heard some of the songs off of it, though finding it in its entirety is uh, kind of difficult nowadays. I wonder if you could uh, tell me and the listeners a little more about it.
0: Let's see. Well, since I had been playing for so long, and then I kind of left the business because I was very busy Doing cartoons and commercials, I wanted to revisit, <clears throat> excuse me, in 2003, and start recording ideas that I had. Otherwise, I would lose them. It was more like a placeholder, the CD, for me to just remind myself like what I was thinking and
1: sure. You know,
0: And I just threw a bunch of songs together. But the, the, the weirdest thing is that stylistically, no two songs are the same. They're totally different styles, you know, and that's why it was Me Pie that was like listening to an iPod. Right. Different artists, yeah.
1: And the things that I had heard, just the few songs, they, like you said, they sounded the polar opposite of each other. They're like the I Gotta Get Laid song had a somewhat of like an Alice Cooper kind of a sound to it. Uh, Four Color World was very like early 60s rock kind yep. of sound. Um, yeah. But the one song that really stuck out to me, and I've actually listened to, uh, every Christmas for almost the past 10 years is I wasn't broke for Christmas time this year. And uh, it's a damn good song. And I think it could really give uh, Mariah Carey a run for her money at Christmas because it should should be a standard. It really should. And, um, I had a, a harebrained theory about this song. You can shoot it down after I say it. But, you know, the song's all about a guy who's playing in the subway and uh, trying to get money so he can afford Christmas gifts for his friends and loved ones and stuff like that. And yeah. every time I hear that song, the visual I get in my head is of uh, Johnny from the Dire Straits song, uh, Walk of Life. And I was like, he's, he's singing from the perspective of Johnny. And I'm, I'm just curious, am I completely nuts?
0: I, I wasn't thinking of that, but I but I'm familiar <laughs> with the song and I'm familiar with you know the analogy of um, him from that perspective. But I mean, I actually did play in the subway.
1: Oh a wow! Few times, really?
0: You know? Yeah. I mean, you just you, you know you leave the guitar case open and it's pretty common. But uh, I guess so. Yeah. But I remember just always needing money. I never had a really good job because I, I barely got out of high school. And I didn't know how to do anything, thanks to my misspent youth. The only thing I can do is what I do. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> well, again, bravo, because uh, what I've heard from the album is fantastic. And uh, one of these oh, days thank I'm going to hands on the whole thing. So I'm very excited for that. Um, i see
0: if I can rustle up a copy and fire it over.
1: Oh, my God, that would be
0: beyond amazing. That would be incredible. It would be beyond amazing if I could find them. <laughs> I mean, they're somewhere. They're probably in storage.
1: <laughs> yeah, get it, get it on iTunes or something. Get let the world needs to hear it if they haven't. But, wow. um one thing I had read online was that uh, it was a radio contest that you had answered uh, mm-hmm. a Melbra- excuse me a Mel Blank impression contest that is what first kind of led to you working in radio initially. Is this is this accurate?
0: Yeah, that's true. Um, in 1980, I think it was, a friend of mine called me up and said, hey, they're having this contest at the radio station, you know, and it's like whoever can sound like Mel Blanc, and I, he said, you should call him up. So I did, and um, I was taken by surprise, you know. Um, this voice came on, it's like, hello, BCN, you sound like Mel Blanc. I was like, I didn't know what to say, and he hung up on me. So I called back, and I was loaded for bear. And, and he said, hi, BCN, you sound like Mel Blanc. And I laid into him with about 20 different voices. and he, It was like um, <clears throat> Leslie Nielsen in the Poseidon Adventure looking through the binoculars going, oh, my God. <laughs> That's what it seemed. He went, hold on. Wow, and and what impressions and so, did you? So next thing there? you know, I was on the air screwing around and kibitzing with these guys, and I took the radio very naturally. I mean, I I, I didn't want to be a disc jockey. You sure, you know I liked the writing and creating stuff.
1: So is is that why they initially were doing that contest was to to find somebody they could bring in to the studio and work with them and do said impressions or or was um, there something else? You know what? It
0: might it? have been that I never asked him, but I'm sure it was my friend Eddie Gordetsky's idea. He and I go back like almost forty years, right. and um, and uh, I went to work at that station and we were very close and we worked a lot of worked on a lot of stuff together and then he went to write for um, Second City TV and then he wrote for David Letterman and then after that he wound up on Saturday Night Live and then he became a producer in Hollywood working with Chuck Lorre on <clears throat> numerous uh, projects. Um, right. I remember we were like <laughs> we were like bums sitting in the back of the radio station out in the yard or whatever it was and that was we were looking up at the sky I said Eddie, what must it be like to be the guy? What must it be like to be you know? He goes, We'll never know. So I called him up like one day and I said, Eddie, one of us knows. <laughs> <laughs> How'd he react to that? He thought it was funny. <laughs> I mean, because he he just he he deserved every bit of success that he that he had. He was the funniest guy I knew and You know, and he worked really hard. Absolutely.
1: We're going to take a quick break right here to jump to a commercial, but stick around when we come back. More with Billy West. I've heard people say, and people it's been said many times, but I think it was said the first time in the late 90s by Entertainment Weekly that Billy West is the new Mel Blanc, or this generation's uh, Mel Blanc. And not only because you're capable of doing those characters, but because of how diverse you are as a voice actor. And I'm just curious, you know, how did that resonate with you the first time you
0: heard that? it It was spooky because... I don't know comparisons um like that I mean it's it's hard for me to reckon with it's like you know he created voices he created them from nothing and mm-hmm. and to mimic them is a talent and everything and you got to have a certain type of throat and brain to do it but but that's as far as my emotional investment went with those characters I mean I I loved doing them but I would much rather have somebody show me a picture of a character and say what would you do? What right. do you think? To me, that's the real—that's the real stuff, the real work. Um, but when they said those things, I said, you know, I don't want to be like the next Mel Blanc. I want to be like the best me <laughs> that sure. can be, because I—I I, I just held him in such high esteem that it—it it, it was like real. I want to say that I was thankful. I was, you know, blown away. Right, of course.
1: I don't. You've probably heard uh, the story of when Mel was in a coma, and uh, the doctors and his son were trying to get him to respond to them. You know, Mel, are you there, Dad? Can you hear me? And they weren't getting anything. And it wasn't until the doctor came up to him and said, uh, "You know, is is Bugs Bunny available?" And he almost immediately came back like, "Man, what's up, Doc?" You know, yeah. and I'm. Oh, I'm doing okay, Doc. Oh, my God, you're oh, putting chills down my
0: back. <laughs> oh, thanks for asking, Doc.
1: Incredible.
0: but I'm Yeah, just... I remember the story very well. I met him once. Did you really? Yeah, I met him out in Boston, um, actually Worcester, Massachusetts, at an old college called, um, what was it called? Shucks, I can't remember. Um Old Wooden University, you know, old school. Right. But he did a voice and slides show there. And I went out and, you know, slides meaning he was showing slides, and then he showed a cartoon at the end, a projected one. I see. Uh, Probably like, you know, 35 millimeter or something. I'm not sure. But but God, you know, I mean, talk about uh, being hit by lightning. I mean, just watching the guy. And I was, I was, I felt so emotional because because I was so familiar with everything he had done, and you know. And then at the end, he had to go, and I was kind of sad. And he says, "If there's anybody looking for uh, autographs, uh, can you just make a line over here?" And I got up, and I was just like, totally lost my mind. I was body slamming little kids out of the way, checking them like hockey players, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, could you let the little kids go first? I said, dude,
2: oh, yeah, man.
1: I, guess
0: I, I guess I could.
1: <laughs> so, but then uh, did you have a good experience with him following?
0: Yeah, I, I got him to sign something and I, it was so surreal. I mean, it was just like the whole thing was surreal. I mean, I just was standing next to him and I found myself looking down his ear. Wow. You know, I mean, yeah. and I said to myself, I'm looking down Mel Blanc's ear. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of, uh, oh, I don't know what's the word. Uh, gosh, it eludes me. I'm, uh, I'm one of those people that, like, abstract, yeah. Sure. Kind of an abstract view of everything.
1: I, no, I, I get it, man. I get it. I, um, I guess the point I was uh, getting at with uh, the Mel Blanc coma story and, you know, him responding in Bugs Bunny voice, you know, just... I guess commenting on that relationship that he shared with that character, and I was just curious if, you know, of all the hundreds of characters you've done over the years, if you have a character that you uh, feel that bonded with.
0: I don't know. I guess I, I've been so lucky to have been presented with so many rich and beautiful characters, and it was my honor to interpret them. They were all, you know, all created in concert, you know. Right. Um, a uh, team efforts and people developing things long before you got on the scene and then one day they turn it all over to you and go what would you do and it's like that's an exciting moment it's scary because sure. you're you're trying to to ring the bell you're trying to give them something hopefully that would last for the ages not just like till next year yeah. and so i thought long and hard before i opened my mouth to do anything but as far as character i guess the closest one to me would be Philip Fry because the voice I gave it was how I sounded when I was 25 years old. You know, I was in a band and I was all whiny and complainy and nasally. Oh man, I broke a string. Now what am I gonna do? You know that kind of stuff. And sure. and uh, an amp blew up. We don't even have roadies. Whiny and and I and I also <laughs> wanted Fry to, to have this bit of a. An awkwardness with Leela, especially, um, I remember that when I was, when I had girlfriends, I was always a project, you know, right, the girl right. was always like, you know, taking, pulling dust off my coat and, why don't you fix your hair? What, you know, why do you wear that tie? And, you know, I wanted to be a project for Leela. <clears throat> so I think he comes off sort of like that.
1: You guys played off each other so beautifully on that show. You you could just oh, thank you. You could just feel that uh, relationship. It was so uh, so beautifully done.
0: It was my honor. I mean, I I just uh, I love Katie to to death. I mean, I love her, and she's a musician too. I didn't know that. um, Yeah, one night we went to go see her. She said, "Billy, you want to see my band?" And we all kind of went to this club, and she sang, and I was sitting watching her, and she was singing a song that she had written. And I was, I was like getting watery eyed. I was, you know, cause I'm really, I'm a very emotional person anyway. And uh, she came over and she said, what'd you think? I said, Katie, um, I'm, I'm practically in tears because of that song that you wrote. Did you like it? Yeah, I loved it, but no offense, but you kind of reminded me of one of my heroes, my musical idols, which is Laura Nero. And Katie said, she was my idol.
1: No kidding.
0: Yeah, Laura Nero wrote all those great songs for um, the fifth dimension, you know, like Wedding Bell Blues and um, Sweet Blindness. And she wrote Stony End, which Barbara Streisand sang. And oh, she cranked them out. But this woman, Laura Nero, to me was on the same stratospheric level, cosmic level as a Brian Wilson. She uh, impacted me greatly.
1: That's incredible so there there was a there was yeah. a natural chemistry there with you and Katie, incredible.
2: yeah,
0: but she had that soul and and you know when I see it, I recognize people's energy i it was I recognized her energy immediately, you know, I wasn't expecting you know um Peg Bundy to come waltzing in, you know
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Right.
0: laughs> <Ow. laughs> Oh, my God. That's incredible. It's true. And I and I just I thought it was so great. So great.
1: <clears throat> now, when when you are I've heard you say when you uh, were recording Ren and Stimpy that, uh, you know, when the dialogue was recorded, you weren't, you know, talking back and forth between characters uh, that, you know, Ren was done and then Stimpy was done separately and then put together in editing. Was, I assume this was the same situation with Futurama, or was there ever any back and forth uh, between the multiple characters you did on that show?
0: Those characters were done in real time as the script went along. Wow! Um, if, if there was four pages of dialogue and I played four characters talking to each other, that's how we recorded it. Um, you know, I just I I got good at it, but I always was kind of good at that because I really don't know how to do anything else. I'm not kidding. And, uh, you know, I was, I was good at that stuff and I, and I was very conscientious. I didn't want, I didn't want any bleed throughs. I didn't want to be, you know, one person's line, the tail end of one person's line almost sound like the beginning of the next character's line. Right. Um, I tried to dance that dance, you know, that's
1: incredible. I thought you were going to say it was done the same way. That's incredible.
0: Well, it's just like going back and forth with characters, you know, it's, you know, luckily I know those characters so well so it, it 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 became kind of easy. It's when people throw in an incidental character where there's no template. Right. And you don't you don't know how you're supposed to act it except the directions you're given. You know, uh, you know, astronaut number one and um you know, Gardner number three, <laughs> you know, in the cast. <laughs> so you got to come up with new stuff, but I didn't have to keep coming up with new voices for these characters. I just had to keep them straight. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like, greetings from here, 3,000. It still sucks. Oh, my, yes, I don't want to live on this planet anymore. She's a beautiful ship. I'm going to fly her brains out yeah. Young lady, will you bring me a sandwich from the dumpster and leave the maggots on it, please? <laughs> I'm scuttling, I'm scuttling Zoidberg oh, could eat Killing
1: me man, you are killing me with that I love that <laughs> Thank you for doing that <laughs> Sure. Oh my god So when you're in the booth I know this varies between voice actors Some voice actors are very still when they're doing their stuff Others are uh, very active and moving around When you're doing Zoidbergs say Are you in fact scuttling around the booth Or do you stay in place, how do you do it?
0: I'm I'm doing the scuttle dance I did since I was a little kid, which is thanks to ADD. <laughs> you know, it's like I always sat and acted and was twitchy, like I had lightning up my ass, and people used to go, "What's the matter with you?" Yeah, you, know, you can't. Uh, and and the thing was, I found out I had all these problems, which is probably why I couldn't do anything. I still can't tie my shoe to this day correctly. I have to fake it so it looks okay. <laughs> <laughs> or, my, or a necktie, I have to fake the knot because you could show me 150,000 times and I still wouldn't get it. It's like I was on the autism spectrum where I couldn't get my mind around certain things. I can't, I have the damnedest time trying to buckle a seatbelt in the car. Really? It's wow. just like it'll go in the other slot or or I'll break a nail trying to push the button down or... It's just, it's, I don't understand why, but I mean, I do understand why, but, um, you know, and I had trouble reading. I was, I was kind of reading disabled to a degree, which is awful. If you do what I do for a living, you know, cause, cause sometimes sentences look like bad road, upside down. I don't know. It's not that bad, but, but I do, I would stumble a lot. That's yeah, it. Yeah. But it was you're like. You're still able to you know, yeah.
1: create all this amazing content.
0: Well, luckily they, they had patience. <laughs> they have
1: patience to to stick with me well they'd be a fool not to
0: well I'm just I'm I tell you the truth it's I'm always grateful I come from a place of uh, gratitude and um you know when I talk to my my peers you know somebody like Tom Kenny. You know, we always talk about that. What are the odds against? You know, what are the odds against you becoming something that people would know or you? They would know your work. It's a billion to one. You know, and we're fully aware of that. And and just sit there and look at each other and go, holy shit.
1: Got to be surreal.
0: It is surreal. It really is. It still is to me. I never wanted to uh, get used to this feeling like. um you know, oh, I walk by a radio and I hear myself, or a TV, I hear myself. I'm always, uh, it, it, it's Twilight Zoney, and I like that feeling because that's the feeling I had when I was a kid. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything, and I lived in a a world that I just cobbled together out of nothing. You know, right? You could you could lock me in a closet for six months, and I could entertain myself. If I wanted to hear something funny, I'd just say it and if i wanted to hear crazy voices i'd do them if i wanted to hear music i'd play it you know what i mean yeah yeah i didn't That's have awesome. a lot of resources <laughs> <laughs> i was just my own resource <laughs> but people thought that was weird it's just people just thought i was you know it's the same story with anybody else from whatever little town they came from you know it's like the town weirdo always leaves and winds up in the mecca like hollywood right. with all the other town weirdos You got something figured out that they don't. (laughs) I guess, but I mean, you don't. It's uh, they don't suffer you gladly, right? You know the local cognoscenti, the townies. You know, it's just like I used to try to impress these guys. You know, I'd I'd go home and I'd go, I just figured out the coolest thing that I can imagine. I'm gonna lay it on these guys, and they just sit there looking at me like, yeah. And then what happened? You know, and I wish that that somebody like my old, older self could have v- revisited, gone back to my childhood to tell me the reason they acting like the way they act, it's like, cause I used to rip my hair out. How friggin' good do you have to be to impress these mooks? And, right. and, and the old, you know, me of nowadays would go back there and tell that kid, listen, the reason they act the way they do is because you're standing there in front of them and you're doing things that they will never, ever, ever be able to do in their life. That's true. I'd hate me. I'd hate me too. (laughs) Yeah, but then after you
1: make such an impact uh, on the world with everything you've done and then go back, I'm sure they'd be like, do it again. Do it again. We want to see it again, you know?
0: Oh, my own family used to do that to me. Is that right? everything when I was growing up, it was like, can you not, can you not do this? Can you not scream? And yet, can you not play that piano? Can you not, you know? And, uh. And then, as soon as I started happening, they were always like, Can you keep doing what you're doing?
2: Yeah.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah. Uh, one more quick Futurama question I have for you here. There was an sure. episode called uh, Proposition Infinity uh, with the song called Shut Up and Love Me, which was written and performed by yourself and Greg Leon. Yeah by the fictional yeah. band, The Wailing Fungus. And mm-hmm. I was just curious, like, if this was your idea, if this was a, the show's idea, like how much creative control over that did you have?
0: Well, they kind of let me, you know, do my thing. We had an agreement, I think contractually, um, it was in lieu of, you know, getting something else. But I said, how about if, if I get to write a song you know, one song, a piece of a song, whatever for, for an episode. And they brought it up towards the end of the season. And I was shocked. I said, geez, they remembered. And they said, uh, here's this band, you know, Wailing Fungus, and it's just the song, Shut Up and Love Me. And I must've, I did almost a whole version of the song, but it only plays for like seven or eight seconds, (laughs) but that's okay. That's okay. Right. Um, because it was pretty funny. Um, and it was a
1: cool sounding song too I mean, from the little bit we could hear
0: It was just me sending up, um, you know, whoever Metallica or Soundgarden, I don't know who
1: Yeah, it had a hard sound to it for sure
0: I told you where I told you when I told you how And we'll meet up at 10 But you keep on talking Keep on yakking
1: One more question I've got for you here, Billy, and this is something uh, kind of off topic is I've heard within the past year uh, on another interview you did, you talk about uh, a book that you're writing that somehow that gets into uh, a bit of your, you know, your career in voice acting and stuff, but it seems to be more centric on your childhood and, you know, the the abuse that uh, you went through that uh, you know, you've know you been public about. And I was just uh, very curious if you could elaborate a little bit on that book. And uh, do you have, like, how far along is it? Do we have a release date or anything?
0: Um, no, no release date or anything. I'm still putting it together. But I did write, like, 22 chapters, and I'm just rounding them out a little. But I still have to get pictures. And I wanted illustrations, like, you know, com- like commercial art drawings of all the ridiculous crap that happened to me. Right. You know, from like the 60s commercial art, mom and dad, you know, real wholesome looking until you see that my dad was m- melting lead in a fry pan in the kitchen so he could make blackjacks. I mean, I used to find brass knuckles. My dad was a, a psycho, crazy, drunk, abusive. I lived in fear all the time. And, uh, and I just, I, you're forced to escape. The human mind can only handle so much until you short circuit and right. your, your brain goes in 50,000 different directions. Cause you're trying to go, let me out of here. You know, I mean, for better or for worse, it happened. And, and maybe I wouldn't be, you know, able to do the things I do if that didn't happen. So I'm always at odds with that. But, um, you know, he was a drunk and a crazy and, uh, and I, I was the whipping boy. He thought I was stupid and, and if I ever try to show him anything that I was proud of, you know, he would just laugh me out the door. And, um, Yeah, you know. That's awful. But, um, uh, but I mean, to write about it is very cathartic. And then I had to remember what was done to him as a kid. And that's the whole story. Sure. So it was like the, the cycle of abuse. Oh. So wait a minute. What are you telling us? Is this, song, is this, uh, this book about you or your father? i thought it was about cartoons and fun yeah it is but you gotta understand where all that shit comes from
1: (laughs) exactly exactly everything that makes you what you are
0: yeah that's the that's the thing
1: well i look forward to reading it man i'll keep an eye out uh, for that when it comes out well
0: you know um i'm gonna keep plugging away i mean I, i was sitting in quarantine like everybody else and i said i just can't sit here and do nothing I decided to look back and there's all these stories that are not to be believed, but they're, they're the truth. You know, they're the kind of stories that when people go on Oprah and you find out that they fake their story, right. The kind of story that they wanted to make up, (laughs) (laughs) but it's true. Right.
1: Yeah. You'll have to keep us in the, in the loop on when that's coming out. I sure will. Thank you so much for taking time to talk with me today, Billy. This has been absolutely incredible.
0: Well, I thank you very much, and I'm sure that we'll uh, we'll chat again. I sure hope so. Okay, man. All right. You have a wonderful day, Billy. Thank you. You too. Take good care.
1: You too, man. All right, everyone, and there it was, my conversation with the legendary Billy West. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording it. He was so awesome to talk to, and I can't wait to get him back on in the future because there's really a lot of things I would have loved to ask but just didn't have time to ask. So until then, be sure to check Billy out on Instagram at Billy West Podcast and on Twitter at TheBillyWest. It seems to be uh, his most active social media platform, and check out BillyWest.com because you can check out everything he does there some of his music stuff his podcast and all the voices he does and all the things that we talked about and the voices i listed at the top of the episode again are just the tip of the iceberg. And again, check him out on IMDB because you'll just be amazed at all the different voices he's done over the years, some of which you would have never even expected him having done. He's just that diverse of an actor. He can put his regular voice completely away and bring a brand new one out for whatever character he needs to breathe life into. It's such an amazing skill. Absolutely amazing. So, again, check out his IMDb and check him out on social media. And once again, BillyWest.com. And then after you do that, don't forget to check us out at CandarePodcast.com. where, again, you can see some of our past episodes, some of our other special guests we've had on the show. And uh, there's a merch page on there for T-shirts, mugs, stickers, and a link to our Patreon page, where you can get access to the Candare Patreon Pod the Comic Vault, Candare Radio Theater, we have the Candare Classic episodes, and so much more. So once again, all that can be found at CandarePodcast.com and also EvergreenPodcast.com, the Evergreen Podcast Network that we are so proud to be a part of, along with many other great podcasts. So be sure to check them out once again. And that is going to do it for this week's episode. Really hope you enjoyed it. Let me know on social media or on our Facebook page, wherever you reach out to us. Let us know what you thought of this episode. I'm going to go out on one of the songs that was mentioned earlier from Billy West and the Grief Counselor's album Me Pod, uh, the song Four Color World. It's a fun song, and you can definitely hear his Beach Boys inspiration in there. So that's going to do it for this episode. I am Jeremy Collie, and as always, everyone, be excellent to each other.
2: Has been a canned air production. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business.